You are listening to Afraid Not Podcast with Jill McCormick and Robin Wall. We believe that our stories matter and make us who we are. Every other week, we invite guests to join us and share their stories. Even though our stories have nots, we are not afraid. Our stories have phrase, they are not perfect. We believe the truth of our mess makes us stronger. We hope that God uses these stories to encourage and strengthen your faith as you trust in Him. Our theme verse is Colossians 1.17, which says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, even our frayed knots. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. We're so happy you're tuning in today to episode number 131 with a fantastic lady named Melissa Robinson. She is absolutely delightful and charming and the kind of friend that you just meet and you think, I could just hang out with this person for hours. Robin and I talked to Melissa. Um, she is actually in Latvia, so we didn't, we're not obviously in the same room with her. And it was morning here and late afternoon there, so it was a long-distance conversation. And we are careful with our language in this episode for specific reasons. So um, Melissa and her husband live in Latvia, and they are field workers with Ascending Organization, and they are believers in Jesus. And they and their three boys are just living life. They use the the gifts that they've been given to serve the people in their community and they have so many wonderful things to offer one of the things that i am considering just thinking through after this conversation today is that i need to like take a good look in the mirror and think you know what does it look like for me to be willing to suffer for jesus i'm awfully comfortable so just vulnerably i just want to say i need to be willing to look at that and say, Lord, I will suffer for you, whatever you are asking us to do. Because part of the reason that Melissa is where she is today is because she's laying that down. She's just willing to suffer for the Lord. She talks about how suffering is a teacher that draws you close to the Lord. It's pretty moving. The other thing she mentions about that, though, is that when we are believers and we're in a community of believers, we don't suffer alone. We have a community with us and that that's so vital and important. And it does make the world feel a little bit smaller when we know that there are other people in other parts of the world that are going and what they're going through. And we're not just here in America doing our own thing. So um, it's an interesting conversation about overseas and what's going on over there. So listen in. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I mean, I guess it's evening there, actually, right? Well, you would think it is because it's so dark. You guys can see me. It's very dark here, but actually it's about 4.30, 4.45. But our sun has already been down for about an hour. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we live very, very north, very far north. So, yeah, it's dark and cold here. You are officially our only guest on Afraid Not from Latvia. <laughs> what? I'm so surprised. Wow. I know. <laughs> well, having a chance to share a conversation today through technology around the world, different time zones, it's pretty awesome. So we're just thankful that you said yes and thankful that we could work this out through several attempts, really, with different calendar conflicts and different times we've attempted this. And today is actually happening. So we thank the Lord for that. So Melissa, please introduce yourself to our listeners today. I would love to. So I'm Melissa Robinson. I live in Riga, Latvia, which is in the Baltics, which I just found out that Jill has some connections to the Baltics and her family, right? I mean, 4% on my ancestry. I don't know. That's huge for an American. That's, that's Latvian, quite a bit, right? Yes. You are basically Latvian. You could teach me a few things probably. <laughs> so, <laughs> But Latvia, just to give you an idea of where it is, because it's not a country that everybody knows about. Don't be ashamed. We know it's, it's a small one. Um, it's in the Baltics. Our neighbors to the North are Estonia, uh, Lithuania to the South 
and to the east is big old Russia. So it's super cold and dark right now. Um, haven't seen the sun in a couple of months. No problem taking my vitamins. Um, so that's where I am. And I guess you want to know about my family. Yes, please tell us about your Perhaps. family. Okay. Okay. I'm married. My husband's name is Chris. I have three kids, uh, Lucas, 16, Piper, 13, Asa, 10. Uh, two of my kids go to a national school here, which means all of their studies are in Latvian. Yikes. That oh. means like math is in Latvian. Math is hard enough in English, but they're doing it in another language. So let's just appreciate that. So that's what they're doing. But my oldest, he goes to an American school online. Um, so yeah, we decided that's what's best for him right now as he gets up into the higher grades so he can transition into university, hopefully someday easier. Yeah. So that's my family. Um, and where did you grow up? Where did I grow up? Yes. Yeah. Where did I grow up? Oh, okay. Um, I grew up outside of Chicago, actually. Oh. Um, yeah. Grew up outside of Chicago, moved to Oklahoma when I think I was in the fourth grade. So I've got a bit of diversity in me, just a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if I have a, an accent, an Oklahoma accent at all. It comes out when I'm around like other Southerners. But if not, then it, I don't know if it's there. But Where in Oklahoma were you? Tulsa. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Went to Jinx schools. Loved it for the most part. Um, yeah, I love Tulsa. Tulsa is a fun town. You guys are from Owasso, right? Yes, I actually live in Tulsa now. <laughs> you live in Tulsa? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and nice. I've been in Owasso 12 years, but I would consider myself from Oklahoma City. That's where I lived almost my whole life. So, okay. Anyway. Okay. But yes, I'm an Okie. <laughs> Okies. Yeah. And we would also love to hear this story about how you and your husband met. Okay. So this one, um, I prepared some notes ahead of time because I was like, I do edit a podcast and I know how people ramble. So I was like, I wanted to make this easy for you. But that's actually a really long story. And I was like, we're not really here to hear that whole story. Um, it's really fun. If you guys ever want to, I don't know, come over to Latvia, visit with me. I'd love to tell you the story. But we met in university. Um, we both became followers of Jesus Christ the same year. I was 18. He was 22. And we met shortly after that. But that's a story for another time. Okay. Okay. That's you both had, were new Christians when you met, pretty much. Yes. Yes. We were new Christians. So tell us a little bit about um, as as your 18-year-old journey, um, how did you get to know the Lord and accept Jesus as your Savior? What was the timeline for that for you? Yeah, um, so early on, outside of Chicago, I was raised Catholic, and um, we attended Mass every Sunday, although I was super disinterested. I even remember my sister and I, we would lock our bedroom doors every Sunday in hopes that no one would come get us and take us to church. I just, I wasn't a big fan. So it wasn't until I went off to university that I just started to be pulled in the direction of Christ. And to me, as I look back, it seems that that just came out of nowhere. But obviously the Holy Spirit had been telling up something in my heart to prepare me, but I, it's just really crazy. So out of all things I joined, a BCM or BCU, however you call it. I know people call it different things, but that's really wild because I didn't even know what a Baptist was. <laughs> so I don't know. I just, the Lord brought me there. And I just knew that they were like, not just nice people, but some of them were really interesting and cool. And they accepted me. Um, and there was one intern there in particular, her name is Crystal. And she was just hilarious. And comedy is kind of my love language. So she was just, she was so shiny. And I was immediately drawn to her. And so one night I did something that I don't normally do. I prayed to God and I asked him to show me if he's real, who he is. And I got this impression that to find out who God is, I really need to read his word. 
I had never thought of that before. And um, so basically all I had with me was this little this little pink Bible. It wasn't a precious moments Bible. I don't know how to explain it. It was like a legit yeah, like Bible. Teen Bible or something. No, not no. We were not even that advanced. Like it was like it was a Bible, but it was um it was pink and it had pictures in it, like little cartoony pictures, but that's all I had, you know. So um I remember <laughs> so I had no idea where to start with reading a Bible. So I just remember doing my laundry in the communal laundry in the communal laundry room and sitting on top of a washing machine. And I opened up to First Kings. And I just started reading from there. And I was like, what in the world is going on? I have no idea what this is talking about. This is insane stuff. So that wasn't really helpful. But yeah, Old Testament might be a hard place to start. Yeah. I'm telling you, I knew nothing, like nothing. So which is surprising. You'd think like somebody who lives in Oklahoma, because by this time we had moved down to Oklahoma where there's a church on every corner, you know, but I didn't know much. Um, so it was soon after that, soon after the the prayer that I had prayed to the Lord, that Crystal, the intern from the BCM, pulled me aside one evening. She told me that she had been praying for me. And she asked if I'd like to learn how to read the Bible. And I was like, Boom. That's it. God, whoever he is, he has heard me. And so I went through the Bible study. It was called One-on-One -on -one with God. And through meditating on God's word, I finally understood who God is, what sin is, who Jesus is, why he came to this earth, why I need him. And I recognized that I was just trying to save myself and that I needed to surrender that control and trust in Jesus. And I remember that moment so clearly because at that time in my life, I was just drowning in stress and all these decisions in my life that I had to make. But when I surrendered to Jesus and his lordship, it felt like I had broken through the surface of the water and I was taking my first breath of life. Like it really was like this <gasps> feeling. And so that was my freshman year of college, and I was 18 years old. That's a beautiful, beautiful story. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. Gospel moment. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about your work in Latvia. Okay. So um, it's pretty fun. I have, I'm really thankful that I have a lot of latitude in what I get to do and what I get to be a part of. Um. So basically, um, I get to use my hobbies, I would say, in a lot of my work. So a lot of what I do over here is with music. And I'm just drawn to everything creative, art, music, stuff like that. So um, I play guitar and I sing. And so that's really life-giving to me. And that's how I feel most like myself. And so when I get opportunities to story or share about Jesus, I love to do it through music. It's a very authentic way for me to share about God. And so I'll sing at church, but I'll, I also do open mic nights where I can share through, because it's a very accessible and easy way to share. People aren't as turned off um, if you're going to share about a song and what it means to you. Um, but my favorite thing to do is to host house concerts. Have you guys ever been to a house concert? I have. Uh, oh, you have. I'm sure Robin has. In a backyard. In fact, um, Jill and I have been to a whole lot of concerts, some in the house, some in, in little small places where our sons for years have played music together. So, no, and every your sons play music day. together? Yes. And they're good. <laughs> they're really good. Um, they have a Spotify right, song we... with 2 million views. Okay, they you do. have to send me this. You have to send me this. <laughs> no, they need to come out here and they need to play in my next house concert. I'm just oh. inviting everybody over. Everybody just come to Latvia, okay? <laughs> Open invitation. So you you like to do the um, house concerts in your own home, right? Yes, they're in um, my apartment. Uh, we open it up. I invite like certain groups at a time because you can't like just invite everybody because there's only so much space. But um, they're super fun. Anyone can do it. You just gather a few musicians, put a set together, set out some chairs, have everybody bring snacks, 
and it's just super easy and cozy and fun. And um, that's also a way I get an opportunity to story about songs that mean something to me. I can share the gospel or um, truths about Jesus through that. And nobody has walked out or like, oh, like, what is this? You know, it's just they can see that when something means something to you, um, it's easier for them to listen to. They don't feel like they're being preached at or anything like that. It's just more of a sincere desire to share my life with you and who Jesus is to me. And, you know, we can talk about it if you like. Um, so just an invitation there, but, um, but I love doing stuff like that. And so what I do you, that, but I also, oh, sorry. I was gonna say, what is the religious like culture or thought in Latvia? That is a very good question. It is postmodern, post-Christian here. So we have a lot of church. Well, I wouldn't say a lot of churches. We have churches, but a lot of them are, I wouldn't say empty, but not well attended um, so, uh, Latvia is a very well-educated, um, modern place. And so, um, the values of Christianity, that kind of stuff has not, that kind of stuff has been left behind, I would say by some people. Um, so yeah, it's difficult. It's really difficult to engage people in spiritual conversation, which is really interesting. Um, so we use creative ways like this, like singing or art. Um, my husband's an artist using things like that, um, to engage people where they're at, you know, in a, in a accessible, comfortable way. Yeah. Yeah. So they, so a lot of them know this, this gospel, they know the story. They just, oh, they don't I wouldn't even... even say that. I wouldn't even say they know that they might say they do, but then if you really press and question, I don't think a lot of people could actually give you answers. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's surprising. Actually. I was surprised when I came here. So Melissa, if someone had found your younger self several mm -hmm. years ago and said, did you know that you're going to be giving concerts and performing in front of people and doing a lot? Mm -hmm. Would you have said, Oh yeah, I totally see that for me. Or would you have said you are crazy? <laughs> I would have said, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. I would never sing in front of people. Me? No. Like, there's no way. That's why, that's why I love how God just surprises us with what he can do through us. Because, like, Melissa can't do that. She never could, you know. But God's like, okay, I'll make a way. So, but other than that, so um, cool. I'll, the other thing I really um, love to get to do here is I uh, volunteer for an organization. They're called Lighthouse Latvia. And um, I, I just love the people at this place. It's a Christian organization that gives trauma care to orphans who have aged out of the system. And they're wonderful people. They truly care heart and soul for their youth. And I just get to be around and learn from them, learn from the staff. So they've been training me in trauma care. And it's been a really good education, not just to have um, with the work we do at Lighthouse Latvia, but even helpful things for me to know about myself and helpful things for my kids. And honestly, each and every person I interact with here in Latvia, because everyone has been through something really, really hard. And I want to be able to approach them with compassion and care so that they can see Jesus in me. And so um, Lighthouse, Lighthouse Latvia really does that well. And so I'm happy I get to be a part of that. Shout out to Lighthouse Latvia. That's really amazing. I, I love to hear about that. And I love your heart in that. Mm. Great ministry. Aww. Yeah. They're super so people. we have this opportunity today to hear a story from your journey of one of the times that things may have been feeling as if you were holding on by a thread, afraid not. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we would love for you to tell us what your story the Lord's laid on your heart and take it wherever you want to. And just, we're here to, to hear it. Thank you. Okay. Yes. I do have a story for you today. Um, so we've been in Latvia for just five years, but Latvia was not our first assignment. When Chris and I were first married, we went off and we lived in Indonesia on the Island of Java. And we were in Indonesia for about 12 years. And Indonesia is just about a, as far from Latvia as you can get, culturally speaking, 
everything. It's just completely different. Uh, Indonesia is a Muslim nation. It's tropical. It's fun. It's beautiful. And the people are so friendly. And like, I can't even talk about the food because it's like the best food in the world. And it makes me sad that I can't get it anymore. But, um, <laughs> but Indonesia wasn't all fun and games. It was also spiritually very, very dark. And at many times it was dangerous. And we suffered a lot there. Um, but I feel like Indonesia is kind of where I cut my teeth on this type of work that we do and what it means to suffer for the sake of bringing, bringing the light of Christ into darkness. So my husband is crawling behind me because he's trying not to interrupt. Hi. It's okay. Hello, Chris. <laughs> like trying to tell something serious and he's like, he's like crawling right behind me. You can leave that in or you can cut that out. It's fine. It's real. This is real. Real life. This is real. But yeah, my husband was just crawling behind me. Okay. So um, yeah, back to darkness and suffering. Um, <laughs> let's just transition back, shall we? Um, but yeah. <laughs> There, but like literally, it was it was a beautiful place, but it was really hard to live there. Um, but it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about forming community. Suffering is a very good teacher, and the wonderful thing about suffering in Indonesia is that we never suffered alone. As fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and coworkers, I mean, we just suffered together. It brought us together. I feel like a lot of compassion and patience and grace towards one another came so easily just because life was so hard, just getting basic things like food, water, electricity. There's a lot of illness. Immigration issues were just like always immigration issues. So, But we were in this together. And uh, we needed about each the other. same kind of work there that you do in Latvia? Completely different. Yeah, oh yeah, completely different work. And so I'm using kind of secure language right now right. only because I'm referring back to a time where it was very, you have to be really, really, really careful. Um, so, I mean, because people, I mean, they give their lives for this kind of work, you know, and it's it's just a really hard place. But the suffering, um, I don't know, it just really, it really brings you together. And I mean, we laughed a lot because otherwise we would just curl up in little balls and cry because like, what else could you do sometimes? Sometimes we gather together and we would just try to one up each other on all the ridiculously bad things that had happened to us. And it was great because you'd be going through something really awful or annoying or just whatever. And then, but you'd have this great story and then you'd get to share it with your friends. And it was just like, we were in this together. And I say all this, um, to explain to you like how, how this helped me process my whole world differently and, and what would happen to us next in this story. So, um, you know, as Americans, we're kind of like this culture of like get her done and we push through to make things work, but like you really have to surrender any kind of strength that you think you have to the Lord and trust in him to be your strength because you find out really quickly that you got nothing and you, you have to let the Lord do it. So after nine years, of living here, uh, we ventured out onto this little island off the coast of Sumatra. And it was amazing. And it was like the kind of scenario that like field workers like myself just kind of dream of where you just kind of want to like beat your chest and like howl at the moon or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like just, I don't know. It's just like the experience you want when you think of the type of work that we do. So we lived in a tiny little tin roofed house. 15-minute bike ride from the beach, mangoes in your yard, very small community, catching rainwater to wash your clothes and bathe, you know, like rustic. My my three little kids running around dirty and barefoot, like, oh, yes, just like, oh, I'm here for this. And I loved it. I loved it there. I loved almost everything about it. But not everyone loved us being there. Uh, well, that was so, the question. Like, how did they feel about you as an American? Well, as the community loved us. I will say when we first moved in, though, it was like they had seen a ghost because nobody <laughs> with our skin color had ever lived there. Mm -hmm. 
So when we moved into our house, it was just a line of motorcycles lined up watching us move in because they had just never seen anything like that except for on TV. So, um, but the community was fine with us um, living there. Um, But uh, we have to have permission to live there from the government. And at first, everything was fine. More or less, the government is fine with you being there. But then um, the local leader who had invited us out there, he lost the reelection. And him losing that reelection kind of put us in a precarious situation because the new leader was a hard light Muslim. And he had made it very clear that he does not want us there. And so things kind of started heading into an unstable direction. When I had been singing at the beach and I was singing songs about Jesus and there were some people with us who were talking about Jesus and it really angered some local men who started yelling and were just getting really aggressive. And my husband was able to calm them down and kind of diffuse the situation. But in the end, they had reported us to the police. And um, when we went home, a friend of ours quietly knocked on one of our doors and instructed us that we needed to get our papers and documents in order because he had heard that the police would be coming for us soon. Hmm. Well, the police never came, but we were indirectly warned. So after that, things had kind of quieted down a little bit, but you could kind of feel that our days were numbered there. So to continue living on the island, we needed written permission from the new leader. And they would kind of act like they were going to give us that permission, but they really never would. And so we just kept trying to figure out, like, how can we stay on the island? We kept trying to figure out different ways to stay there. But after what we felt like was our 100th trip to immigration, they just told us that permission was not going to be given. And one of the employees who was actually a believer pulled us off to the side and told us it's because you're Christians and the government doesn't want you here. You have two weeks to pack up your stuff and leave. And so that was kind of crushing. That's what we did. We packed up everything um, into a shipping container and we left the island after about two and a half years, which doesn't sound like a lot of time, but I was so happy there. Yeah, It really was my home. I felt like me there. You know, a place where you can really feel like yourself overseas is, you know, not always easy to find, but we just loved it. Um, But it was one of those things where I, I didn't question the Lord on this one. It's really weird because I question him a lot on like little (laughs) things, you know, like dumb things. But on this one, I just, there was a piece that came with knowing that I had shared Jesus with the people he gave me. And now this time was over. And I I really simply became grateful that there ever was this time, that there ever was this magical island moment, and that he let me do this at all. It just felt like a gift. So I'm thankful for that. But this time was, fo- was followed by an incredibly difficult time, because now we're homeless. It's like... We have no place to stay. Our heads are spinning after what just happened, you know. So, but some wonderful. Did you wonderful get to co- say goodbye to your yes, we, friends? Yeah. Did you get to tell them what was happening? Yes, it was really great because um, the community kind of rallied for us because people wanted us there. That's what was really mm-hmm. nice, and they thought it was really unfair um, that we weren't given permission to stay. But there's nothing they could do about it. So I think just knowing that people wanted us there meant a whole lot to me. It really was just coming from this one part, you know, that I I have no control over it. So it was just, it was out of my hands. So I felt like, okay, we can let this go. But yeah, it was really nice that I was able to say goodbye. Um, so yeah, good question. Um, but the, the the really challenging part came when we left the Island and, um, some wonderful coworkers of us, let us stay in their home in Sumatra um, while they were on stateside stateside assignment. And this is when I just, I felt lost. Like, who am I? 
I felt really lonely and I don't know. I just, I didn't know what to, we were, what was going to happen to us. I have no idea. How old were your kids at this time? They were, gosh, how old was, maybe like Asa was three. And so then Piper might've been six and Lucas nine. They're about three years apart. So you've got so, yeah. kids to think about in the meantime too, with all this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you just had your yourself to think about, right? You could just go anywhere, but it's like you have a whole family to take care of and like, they're sad too. And so you're start, you're trying to process your emotions and also their emotions and stuff. But um, yeah. And of course my husband, like, oh my gosh, it was wonderful. Like he just, I'm so thankful for my husband, but still it's lonely. You know, you're just like, did we do something wrong? Or like, you know, could we have done something different? Like kind of these questions, I don't know. But God was also very gracious in, in those types of wanderings as well. Um, so, but um, in the way he's really gracious is that he, um, you know, I feel like I keep losing community. I keep losing community. Um, and then there was one particular day where I was just really down in the dumps and my friend Denise writes me. And she's like, uh, hey, do you know what a podcast is? And I was like, no, because <laughs> this is like seven years ago or something. I never, I don't think I've ever even heard of what a, I've never heard of a podcast. I was like, no, what's a podcast? And she's like, listen to this. And she sent me a podcast and it was, um, gosh, it was uh, Emily Thomas. She had a podcast. I think she has one now still, but it was like a different format. And it was just, she would interview women. And you just felt like you were in on this conversation. And um, it was really nice. And she was like, let's do this for women just like us who serve overseas. And I was like, oh, I think we can do this. Because we were looking for community. We wanted to form this community for other women who are, you know, in isolated spots, don't have family, friends, or, you know, whatever. They're in transition. And we're like, I think we all need each other. Let's form a community. And so um, I have a background in, in like broadcast. And so I was like, okay, I can edit this thing, I think. And so um, we did it. We started a podcast. It was called, at the time, it was called a Taking Root Podcast. Now it's called It's Tea Time Somewhere. And so we've been doing oh, it for years. Not consistently because our lives are like crazy. Like we haven't recorded in like months and months and months because um, we're like all over the place. But um, this, having this project with my friends during this time of like, I don't know what's going to happen in my life. Um, but we would reach out and interview these other women who are also experiencing the same type of things or like harder things or just different things. And it just, it helped us all feel connected it's a podcast for us. And so um, together with our friend Alicia, it was Denise, Alicia and I, um, yeah, we, we started this thing. And so um, it really brought a lot of healing to me in this time. And um, yeah, just to feel like we're not alone. And so God really sustained me with friendship and things like this. Oh, you got to put, yeah. And Melissa, I, I know <laughs> I've gotten a risk. Well, my voice is so soft. Sometimes when I start talking, it takes several seconds for anyone to even hear it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I am a very soft-spoken person. Sadly, I would love to trade for Jill's powerhouse voice. She can be heard. I, I struggle in a classroom often because my sixth graders just love to talk on top of me and I have to, you know, use all tricks, tricks in the bag. And you're little too. Would... Like you probably have to like do jumping jacks for them to see you oh, or something. I, I don't know. Well, no, but I love friendship that I hear because I've listened oh. to oh. it's tea time somewhere and oh. I love it and when to meet you last July when we were at a meeting that was a something that I you don't know this but it was a blessing to me to have a sister in Christ that I could just connect with to be a world away from but connect in ways that we talked about our music we talked about podcasting we talked about that was so life. weird that we had that in common no, and both curly hair friends, but um, you, Denise, and Alicia have such a camaraderie. That's mm. one of the things that I got in the takeaway of the conversations I've heard, just the camaraderie 
which is truly at the heart of our brothers and sisters in Christ that we have all over the globe, whether we are in the same town or not. And I just want to say that is such a beautiful gift that I think that your podcast provides. And I know that that was why you started it in the first place, that you want women that are in your same shoes to be able to have that. And I just sense it. I feel the love and the camaraderie in your conversations. So I just wanted to tell you that. And I love it. Thank you so much. That's We love encouragement. We need all the encouragement we can get. I talk to Denise and Alicia every day on WhatsApp. I haven't actually physically seen them in six years, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, really praise God for technology and the good things right. it can do. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we can still connect and things like that. I mean, we need each other. Like girls, I don't I don't know about men. I know men, they need friendships, but women, like we we really need friendship. And so we can't do this alone. So yeah, thanks, Robin. Yeah, I think anytime and Robin's talked about how much she connected with you since she's been back. But um Aww. I think when we anytime we feel like we're isolated or by ourselves in something, it just that depression gets so heavy. It's just yes. Too- Right. We need each other to carry those burdens and just for someone to listen. Like, I don't even need you to solve my problems. And I know you're not looking me, looking to me to solve your problems, but are you going to listen? Like, can you just be there for me? And so I think that's what I'm, I'm learning a lot for people like my friends, but even just people here. Um, sometimes we feel like, oh, we get into a relationship. We're going to have to like really figure this out for each other. But sometimes, no, sometimes we just need someone to walk with us or pray with us or cry with us, you know? And so that's what I'm really grateful for in my friendships. And I, I know you guys are too. So Aww. in various seasons that each of us will go through, will be yeah. characterized by kind of like a, a weather, you know, you might be in a sunny season or you might be in a really dark one, or you might be in a stormy season, but we as followers of Jesus, we have these things in common, these seasons, um, they will be part of all of our journey in different times. But like, how long did you last in that time when you had left the island and there you were feeling so uprooted and just staying in your friend's home, but just feeling like, who am I? How, how long right. was that for you? Oh gosh. Um, yeah. And just like living with other people's stuff. Do you know what I mean? Not having your own stuff. Mm-hmm. And just like, it's just like, where do I belong in this planet? Like what? I don't know. And that teaches you something too about, you know, this earth is not my home. Things like that, like heaven, heavenly thinking um, comes out of things like this when you realize like maybe I, my place isn't on this earth. Maybe that's why I feel like a stranger here is because this is not my home. And you really learn things like that through situations like that. So that's great. Like i I'm so thankful for all those those things. And we were um, kind of homeless, I guess you could say. Gosh, um, I can't even remember now. Maybe we were in that house for maybe two months or so. And then we went back to America because it was our stateside. And um, I think we were in America for 10 months waiting on answers as far as like, well, what's next? Like, I, ha- I have no idea. Because no one was able to give us um, a place in Southeast Asia because other, it was a time when other visas and platforms were falling through as well. So nothing was stable. It really was kind of like a nationalistic push to get a lot of the foreigner out. And so nobody could really offer us anything like that. So it was just like day after day, like, Lord, what's going to happen? I don't know. Wow. So 10 months of that. And then, um, you finally got reassigned. Yeah. And that was like crazy because like when you asked at the beginning, I mean, Latvia, like (laughs) never, never in my wildest dreams in a million years, would I ever have thought Europe even, I mean, I thought I was going to be in Southeast Asia till I died, you know, just that's where I'm going to be. But um, through some wise counsel and from talking to people, opportunities opened up. It wasn't easy, um, but doors kept opening as we prayed. And um, we tried to look for a place where we wouldn't just be warm bodies, but be in a place that fits. 
Like, who are we? Who did God make us? How can we walk in the joy of our giftings? And so for Chris being, he's like super theologian, philosopher guy, like deep thinker, artist, you know, and so to work in a postmodern, post-Christian um, environment would really be fitting. He loves discipleship. He loves teaching. And um, for me, art and music. And so this place really fits us well. Um, so we're really thankful that, I mean, God in his wisdom could see something like this. There's no way I could have seen this. Mm -mm. So is it a pretty artistic, artsy place there, Latvia? Yeah, like where we live, we live in Riga, which is the capital city. I love where we live. We live in like picture downtown, very historical. Um, so when you walk down from our apartment, it's cafes and buses and the art museum is right down the street. And there's, yeah, there's just like a lot of music and outlets for creativity here. So I just, we feel very at home. We feel very inspired. Um, we feel understood, I think, by people here. And so it's really fun. It's really fun to meet people. I'm part of a a choir. <laughs> I'm part of a Latvian choir for foreigners because um, we have a lot of foreigners here. So we sing in Latvian, but we're all foreigners. We're from, gosh, France, Germany, Russia, uh, New Zealand, I don't know, all sorts of places. And it's just these wild, wow. wacky people. And it's just like so much fun because I live in a city where there's all types of people. There's such a cool connection with reading music together. Do you have like sheet music that you pass out and read music or yes. do you do it all oral teaching? What do you do? Okay. So I'm not a real musician in the class. I'm not like a Robin who can like read music and is <laughs> super like understands that I'm just like, give me chords, you know, give me like, just tell me how it sounds and I'll try to follow along. But no, I mean, there are people in the choir who can do this. And we're kind of known as like the fun choir because we're not like super professional. Like don't, don't think we're professional. We just like to have fun. And so we just do these like goofy concerts and stuff. <laughs> so, I love it. It's so fun. Well, music is such a bringing together, um, no matter what your language is or even where your background is, you can connect in the moment creating music together. Yeah. Um, so the same thing with that I found in Indonesia, I found here where I couldn't speak about Jesus, but if I sang it, it was like people were totally fine. It's like the walls went down and it was just like nobody was offended or anything like that. So I totally use music as much as I can. Um, but yeah, and it's just, I mean, it's just fun. I mean, I like to have fun. I think that's the great about thing about any kind of art. It's just because it's just you expressing yourself. And most people that are any type of artsy are a little like hippy dippy sometimes and like, hey, everybody do their thing. So yes, it makes it really cool. Yes. It's like very, I just feel like it's not very, it's very accepting. I think yeah. it accepts people of all types. You don't have to look a certain way or do a certain thing. Just do your thing. And it's cool. We'll all be friends. I love it. <laughs> So you're not such an anomaly walking down the street in Latvia as you were. And like, people aren't staring at you like, who's that? Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I like forget about that. I forget about the first morning I woke up and walked downstairs and nobody looked at me, nobody. And I was like, oh, I could get used to this because it was, I mean, I didn't mind it in, in Indonesia. Like Indonesians are so lovely. Like they're just so sweet. They'll just come up to you and be like, oh, photo, photo. And like, you're like a celebrity and they're just so fun. But, um, Sometimes it does make you feel like you have to be on all the time. And that's very exhausting, especially when you have kids and maybe they don't want to be touched, you know, things like that. Um, but in Latvia, it's like considered rude to actually look someone in the eye. This is like Eastern Europe, post-Soviet, you know, like mm -hmm. kind of place. So like, don't don't look people in the eye, you know, so. But sometimes it's kind of nice because you're like, you know, I'm just not feeling it today anyway. So just <laughs> don't, don't be looking at me, okay? How many languages do you speak? Well, I would say I used to speak Indonesian fluently because it's such a fun, easy language. Well, I, I say it is, but Latvian. Uh, Latvian in comparison with Indonesian, it's just like a billion times harder. I think I'm older now. So it's just, you know, I was like, what was I? I was 25 when I was learning Indonesian and I didn't have kids at the time. Right. So I got all the brain space and time, 
but like learning Latvian was like a whole nother ball game. It's just so hard. But, and also the issue is everybody speaks English here. Oh, not everybody, but a lot of people speak English better than I do here. So you're trying to speak Latvian and they're like, that's cute. Like, you just, <laughs> we'll just go back to English. Okay. And so, but, but singing in Latvian really gets you places because they appreciate like our choir. Um, we were on the news one day just because they, they consider it um, like a compliment that we are trying to sing in your language. Only 2 million people speak this language, not even 2 million. Um, so that foreigners would want to actually learn this language and sing in it is like such a huge compliment. And so we try to, we try to do that. I'm sure Latvian folk music is sort of a, an art in itself. There's not going to be many places in the world that you can hear Latvian folk music. It's music that they would just be sung generation to generation to generation. That kind of music is probably very specific to where you live. So if your choir is able to sing those pieces what a connection to people to value their culture, their society, their families, their generations. It's special. That is such a good point, especially for Latvia, such a small country that was occupied so many times and was forced to learn another language. And so their language was not even considered, you know, worth anything. And so for them, it's really important to maintain that integrity in their own language and to have those traditions with their language. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. They, you know, poetry is really important to the Latvians because at one time when they were occupied, they weren't allowed to speak freely. And so what they would do is they would use poetry or music to send like um, hidden messages in their lyrics so that they felt like they were speaking freely to one another, but whoever was occupying at them, occupying them at the time wouldn't know what they were really saying. So those stories are really special. And to sing those songs back to Latvians, they're like, oh, you know, oh, you yeah. know what we went through and what we were trying to say. Like, it's really special. Can you say something in Latvian just so we can hear the language? Oh, man, you're going to put me on this? Yeah, okay, we're <laughs> like, sveiki, mani stouts, Lisa. Un katavi stouts. I just said, hello, my name's Melissa. And what's your name? Oh, cool. Are you, are you impressed? Very cool. And it doesn't sound <laughs> anything like English at all. Wow. What does it, I mean, what does Nothing it sound like? like? I don't even know. I don't even know what it sounds like anymore. What does it sound <laughs> like to you? Lots of V's and sva, sva, lots of sva. Yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> Man patik well, Melissa... that on spare musical. I like to sing and play music. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> well, this, give us a piece of Indonesian real quick. Oh, my gosh. Indonesia. Uh, oh, I'm saying it in like a Latvian accent. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. So I'm, I'm totally saying that in a Latvian accent. It's almost like I can't even think. So I just said again, like, my name's Melissa. And what's your name? Well, but, those are yeah. totally different sounds. That's like, incredible that you learned all that. Yeah, well, I've forgotten a lot too because I haven't spoken it in like you know seven years. But, uh, but it yeah, both Here great languages. It with a Latvian accent, I bet it cracks you up. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, this whole conversation has been a delight. It's been wonderful to share this conversation time see you I know that our listeners will just hear your voice but um, as we're recording we're seeing each other on our screen but I am just thankful for you Melissa I, oh. I will be praying God blesses you and Chris and your boys as you are just sharing the love of Jesus everywhere you go thank you so much thanks for letting me share my story stories are important I love hearing other people's stories so thanks for letting me share mine we appreciate you. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. We're so glad that you spent time today in your busy day going in and around your life that you listened to this conversation. And we hope that it's been a blessing to you. And Lord, we just want to pray that the Lord will bless Chris and Melissa in their days 
serving the people there in Latvia and that he would make the name of Jesus famous through them and using the gifts and talents that they have been given. I was thinking also some of you listeners today might have never had a moment like Melissa described where she sat on the dryer back in college and said, okay, God, if you're real, show it to me. And he did. And I just want to tell you, listener, if you have a moment like that, and if you're seeking him, he will reveal himself to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And we as believers often have those moments or sometimes have those moments where we do feel lonely and we're questioning and we don't know what the next step is or what God is actually doing and don't understand what's happening. But if we just trust him and stay in our community of believers um, to help encourage us, then it just helps us get through that and get us to the next step. Make sure that you rate and review and subscribe and share it with a friend. We're glad to start a new year um, being in January with you guys and just excited for what this year will bring. We'll be bringing you stories of people who are walking through journeys similar or not similar to your own. But all of these stories have one thing in common that like Colossians 117 says, God is before all things and in him all things hold together. So whatever you're walking through today, be encouraged in that. I hope your 2024 is going great. And Jill and I are so grateful that you're listening. Have a great day.